0: You're listening to the Luca's Italy podcast, with food, culture and history from the land of Prosecco and Puccini. I'm Luca Marchiori, and this week I'll be talking about how a Milanese Christmas bread took over Italy and the world. It probably hasn't escaped your notice that we're only a few days away from Christmas. And so today we're going to be talking about what's probably the archetypal Italian Christmas cake, the panettone. Almost every Italian will eat Panettone at some point over the festive season, but it's also something that you find abroad. It's a very popular Christmas export for Italy, and um, most Panettones go either to the USA, to the UK, to France and Germany, but there are many other countries that enjoy this Italian festive treat. Now, if you don't know what a panettone is, let me just tell you, um, it's quite a light brioche style cake and inside you find sultanas and also candied peel and it has a very distinctive shape. It's quite tall and it comes wrapped in um, a paper case which is used for cooking and you have to sort of peel it off before you eat it. The panettone is considered to be a typical product of the city of Milan in the north of Italy. And like every traditional Italian cake or recipe, it's got some origin myths attached to it. And in the case of panettone, there's there's actually more than one. Uh, the first is the story of a medieval falconer called Ulivo um, degli Attelani. Ulivo um, is a great first name because it means olive tree. And he lived in medieval Milan and he fell in love with a baker's daughter. And so in order to get close to the baker's daughter, he convinced the baker to give him an apprenticeship. And he said, if you give me an apprenticeship, I will cook a recipe that will certainly increase your sales. Um, so he is supposed to have then invented the panettone and sales as predicted went through the roof. And at the end, Ulivo was married to the baker's daughter. So all's well that ends well there. There's a second story which takes place at the court of Ludovico il Moro, who was the Duke of Milan in the late 15th century, 1480 to 1494. And apparently, The cook once at Christmas burnt the Christmas dessert and there was panic in the kitchen. And suddenly a small apprentice cook whose name was Antonio said, Well, I made a cake this morning from the leftovers that I found in the larder. We could serve that. The cook thought, Well, (laughs) there's nothing else we can do. So he took this cake up and served it to the Duke. And it was incredibly popular. The Duke loved it. And the Duke said, well, what's it called? And he said, "Well, it's the um, um, it's Tony's bread, the pan de toni. Um, Tony. Tony obviously, obviously being the diminutive of Antonio and the nickname of this apprentice." There's another theory that the name comes from the Milanese dialect "pan de ton, which means luxury bread because it was a kind of Bread with extra things put in it, served at Christmas. And there certainly existed a pane di Natale in Milan from the 16th century onwards, at least, which contained sultanas and also candied pumpkin. However, I think all these different explanations for the name are great, but they, they miss the obvious that the word panetto in Italian means a small round piece of dough. Particularly, um, you find it today, particularly when you're talking about pizza, and the, the the pizzaiolo will make small round pieces of dough, which are then rolled out to become the pizza. And these are called panetti, so a bigger one of these would be a panettone and certainly if you look at some of the the pictures of panettones being made at first you get this big round lump of dough which I think is obviously the panettone and that's where the name comes from By the mid to late 19th century, the Panettone di Milano was quite a well-known speciality in Italy. It was known in other parts of Italy as well. And in 1891, when Pellegrino Artusi wrote his famous cookbook, which is the first pan-Italian cookbook, I'm sure we'll be hearing about that a lot more on this podcast as episodes go on, he has a recipe that he calls panettone marietta. Marietta was his, his cook and the woman who tested out most of the recipes that he included in the cookbook. And he includes a recipe, which he names for her because he got the recipe from her. And at the end of the recipe, he says it's a uh, migliore assai del panettone di Milano che si trova in commercio e richiede poco impazzamento, which means that it's much better than the panettone di Milano that you find in the shops and it's a lot less hassle. This recipe is a really good example of what panettone were like at the time. And the recipe includes all the, the familiar things from today. So it's got candy peel, eggs, lots of butter, sugar and sultanas. But for the yeast, it has cream of tartar and bicarbonate of soda, which are industrial products, industrial forms of yeast. And I actually made this recipe uh, a couple of times and it's very nice. It's very tasty. It has a similar taste to a modern panettone, but it's very dense it's more like a fruitcake than the light and fluffy panettone that we all know and love today. So when did the panettone change into the light and fluffy tall panettone that we know and love today? Well, it all started in 1919, when a young man called Angelo Motta opened a patisserie in the centre of Milan. And at Christmas, he wanted to compete with the, the other patisseries that were already producing panettone, but he decided that he wanted to make his panettone different he wanted his panettone to be lighter, to be fluffier, to be more luxurious. And so he set about creating a new recipe for the panettone. The first thing he did was to replace the industrial yeast that the others were using, um, like in the recipe from Artusi. And he wanted to use natural yeast. So we say Lievito Madre, mother, uh, mother yeast in Italian. Similar, but a little bit different to sourdough starter. And he increased the amount of butter, eggs, sugar, and candied peel. Now, the addition or the use of this natural yeast meant that the bread. The panettone needed a lot longer to rise. And in fact, he developed a recipe in which there were 40 hours of preparation and rising needed before you could cook the panettone. But the result was that it went from being a low cake to a high cake. In fact, this is where he had to invent the paper case to stop the, 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 the panatonic collapsing in the oven. And it went from being quite dense to being very soft and fluffy. So it's really Angelo Motta who created the panettone that we all love today. And In fact, Motta is now a big company making panettone and really their recipe hasn't really changed since the early 1920s, which is when Angelo decided that he'd got the recipe right. Motta's panettone was so popular that in 1923, only, only four years later, he opened a factory to keep up with demand and other people as well, such as the Fratelli Alemania started to produce similar panettones. And it's interesting that in 1935, there's an Italian newsreel which films in the Motta factory, and you can see it's become quite a large-scale industrial operation to make these panettone. And the voiceover says that the panettone è diventato per merito di questa grande industria il dolce tipico nazionale, that thanks to this big industry, the panettone has become the Italian or the typical Italian dessert. Another newsreel from 1938 also filmed in the Motta Panettone factory shows packing crates going all over the world, going to the United States, going to the United Kingdom, going to to, to other countries. And so I guess the idea is that between 1919 and 1938 the panettone became not only a thing that all Italians ate for Christmas but also that was already exported and famous all over the world the panettone obviously fits in with the narrative and with the policies that the Italian government were trying to were trying to espouse For example, they wanted Italy to become more unified under the the government. Uh, Italy had only been a unified country since 1860. So we're talking about 50, 60 years. And at that point, uh, as today, there were many regional differences that Persisted, and people didn 't really feel part of a united country and the government in the 1920 s wanted all Italians to feel that they were part of of one country and they wanted that country to become a world leader, a country that acts as an example to other countries, particularly in the the world of economics and and technology so this idea that you could create hundreds and thousands of these panettone in great factories again fitted in very well with the government narrative, but the government also wanted to revive the glories of the past. And so I, the idea of tradition, that this was a traditional recipe from Milan, also fit in with the uh, with the aspirations of the times. Now, Motta in the 1920s and 30s had sold his panettone in hat boxes, which by the 1950s had morphed into a kind of pyramid, truncated pyramid shaped box. And in the 1950s, after the Second World War, panettones really became a gift to give at Christmas. So basically the, the packaging, the boxes became uh, quite colorful and with lots of sort of Christmas designs on them. And this idea that you, you give panettones to your friends and family at Christmas is a which persists even today. I remember growing up in the 70s and 80s in the Italian community in the UK. uh, At Christmas, at the back of the church, you'd always find the Italian community exchanging panettones after Mass. And and I remember a a huge number of these uh, coming into our house, um, but also going out of our house as as gifts for people and having to eat a, a huge amount of panettone for this reason. By the 1980s, people's tastes had changed and candied peel was no longer something that people really enjoyed. And so a lot of different flavored panettones started coming onto the market. Some of these were, were quite interesting. Some of them today sound horrendous with uh, things like sort of bits of Nutella injected into it. So when you cut through, you had these big sort of balls of, uh, of Nutella or chocolate spread and uh, and that kind of thing. Also, lemon panettones, panettones with all sorts of different flavours, started coming out. In the 2000s, the idea of the artisanal panettone became quite popular, so what you started to see was people trying to return to the traditional panettones, of the 19th century and earlier, they thought that the they felt that the panettone in some way had become a little bit too commercial, and so you started seeing a lot of these low-rise panettones coming onto the market, and um, so that the high panettone became uh, a symbol of, of an industrial panettone, and a low-rise panettone became uh, the mark of an artisanal panettone. By this point as well, Italians had developed a real love it or hate it relationship with candied peel. And in fact, people, um, even today often call themselves candied peel people or non-candied peel people when it comes to eating panettone. And, um, in fact, in 2017, Motta, um, who now call their panettones Motta l'Originale, the original panettone had a, and a funny advertising campaign on television in which they basically likened people who feel rejected at Christmas. It basically likened them to the bits of candy peel that people were picking out of the panettone and leaving on the plate. Since 2007, the phrase um, "panettone tradizionale della tradizione milanese." Traditional panettone from the Milanese tradition has been a trademark and there's an official recipe with requirements that you have to meet before you can call your panettone um, in this way. In the last couple of years, the panettone has become really fashionable again, both in Italy and outside. And in fact, every great chef presents their own take on the panettone uh, every year at Christmas. There's there's even a TV programme in the last couple of years in which top chefs come and make panettone-based recipes. People have also started trying to make their own panettone at home, which is really difficult because if you remember, uh, they take about 40 hours to prepare before you can actually get round to baking them. There are many recipes available online. Uh, one of my favourites is from my friend and fellow food blogger, uh, Cristina Conte, who, like me, has both British and Italian ancestry. She has a great recipe for panettone, which works really, really well. And you make the dough in a bread maker and then finish cooking it in the oven. If you'd like to try this recipe, her website address is cristinascucina.com. So what will I be eating this year? Well, I've already chosen my main Panettone, but I'm sure I'll get given uh, lots of others by other people. And I've gone for one of the modern ones with the addition of Amarena cherries instead of the candied peel. I had this Panettone last year and I absolutely adored it. And uh, I've been thinking about nothing else for 12 months. So, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. There'll be another one next week, so if you don't want to miss it, subscribe using your usual podcast provider. It only remains for me to say Buon Natale, Merry Christmas to all of you, and I'll see you again between Christmas and the New Year. I'll leave you with a rendition of Tu Scendi dalle Stelle, which is the most popular Italian Christmas carol.